0: All right. This is the Frog's War podcast. I'm Jamie Plunkett.
1: I'm Melissa Treewasser.
0: And we are communicating via the magic of satellites and telephones all the way across an ocean. Because, Melissa, you are still technically in the United States, but you're not in the contiguous... United States right now
1: I I am in the far reaches of America watching the sunrise in Maui so um, it's weird to be doing a podcast with a cup of coffee and not something stronger but uh, we're in recovery mode after a a long day of Mai Tai's yesterday so it it, it all works out
0: that's excellent you are uh, it's a much deserved vacation for you and I'm glad that you're still doing the podcast I also am it's weird to be doing this in the middle of the day um, not with a bourbon so because that's frowned upon when you work in a church um, yeah
1: it's very true but yeah
0: so we are here TCU is sitting at five and six on the season after a 28 to 24 loss in Norman on Saturday night to Oklahoma um, a much closer game than I think most folks anticipated Vegas especially had TCU as a 19 point underdog heading into this thing and the Frogs Bent, but didn't break quite a bit on defense, especially after the first quarter uh, where they found themselves down 21 to nothing, climbed back into it uh, to be down, I believe, 21 to 17 at halftime, and then um, scoring the final touchdown on a Vernon Scott 98-yard pick six. And the end of the game is where we'll kind of start with this thing, Melissa, because throughout the entire game, Oklahoma's offense got pretty much whatever it wanted on the ground. Uh, TCU stifled them pretty well through the air. Jalen Hurts turned the ball over a couple of very significant times. But once again, in a late-game situation, with TCU down less than a touchdown on the road, it came down to some officiating calls. Yes, there were close calls throughout the rest of the game. Yes, there were some calls that OU fans probably aren't very satisfied with either. But none of those calls impacted the game as much as the last one did, which is... Fourth and one from their own 40-yard line. Jalen Hurts tries to run for a yard. Every camera angle shows him short. They call it a first down on the field. They go to the booth. It's upheld as the correct call. Oklahoma runs out the clock and wins the game 28-24. to It was the same officiating crew that called the Baylor TCU game that, with insignificant, insufficient evidence said Max Duggan stepped out of bounds in overtime instead of running in for a touchdown. Melissa, do TCU fans have a right to be upset with this officiating crew at this point, or is this on the brink of being a conspiracy theory?
1: I mean, I think that there's definitely room to be upset. Um, You can go back to the Duggan call on the sideline. I do think he was out, but I also think by the letter of the law, they did not have sufficient evidence to overturn that call. And if you're going to... Call the game correctly. You can't. You can't overturn that call in that moment. Um, Would TCU have scored from the three a two point conversion? I don't think so. I don't know that I believe that at the way that they were playing in the goal line, but still you got to give the guys a chance to make a play. Uh, the, to me, the the Oklahoma one was absolutely egregious. Um, as much as you can, was he or wasn't he with, with the dug and out of bounds play, uh, there is absolutely zero reason to give Jalen Hurts a first down on that run. Uh, any, you could say, oh massive bodies, blah, 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 but he had the ball tucked in tight to his chest and did not get anywhere near the line to gain. Um, I don't know if it's if it's a conspiracy theory, I don't know if the refs are thinking of, oh, we got to protect the Big 12 in this moment. I don't know if, uh, if there's any reason to doubt they made the call they thought they were supposed to make. Um, and again, you're talking about, you know, TCU needing to get to the end zone, something that they had not been able to do offensively uh, in quite a while. Um, and, and you have a minute to do it. But you, again, you've got to give the kids a chance. Unless it's conclusive one way or the other, you've got to give the guys on the field a chance to make a play and to decide the game. You can't have the striped shirts deciding the game at a critical moment for, um, uh, you know, two teams that that had a lot to lose on that Saturday night, Norman.
0: It's true. It's true. And you know, it's you know, it's a bad call, at least in the eyes of TCU when Patterson says something about it after the fact, he's normally pretty reserved. Even when you can tell like his body language is revealing that he didn't agree with the call or agree with the way that something happened on the field. Uh, He typically will withhold comment, but he did not after the Oklahoma game. He said on the TV version, it was short. I'll be honest with you. I think it was a poor decision on their part because I didn't think he got past the 41 yard line. You see his reaction on the sideline too as the camera cuts to him and he is livid he's furious about that um epic gif by the way that's an epic
1: epic (laughs) gif
0: it's gonna be something that i use for a very long time for sure um waving both arms in the air just so frustrated uh, as i think all all of us were in that moment but he softened his stance a little bit on his conference call on monday saying that he was talking with the big 12 about it and then on tuesday uh in his press conference he softened even more saying um you know that they've they've communicated to the big 12 about it and that's kind of pretty much all that he said uh he did mention that he still didn't think it was a first down but he as far as tone uh in delivery was a lot softer on tuesday a couple days removed from the incident versus saturday night at right after the fact um right after he uh, witnessed it firsthand for himself but the fact of the matter is is that TCU went to Norman with a freshman quarterback, a very, very young secondary, um, backup offensive lineman on the field, a defensive line that has not performed as well as everybody hoped it had this year, and still was within striking distance at the end of the game. You know, we're not talking about the first... Uh, the first down run from Jalen Hurts or the non-first down run if Max doesn't throw an interception on the previous possession and instead leads them to a touchdown to take a 31-28 to 28 lead. You know The Frogs were in it late against the top 10 team in college football. After all of the things that have been said about this team this year, all of the things that have been criticized about this team this year, that's impressive that a team that has struggled so mightily and everyone's been so down on still goes on the road and performs like that, don't you think?
1: Oh absolutely and you know there's still a lot of questions around uh this offense and what uh what TCU needs to change what they need to do what Max Duggan is or isn't but you know, the thing that I'll say is that there's a lot of reason to be excited about the future. So many of those guys are freshmen, sophomores. Um, outside of uh, Vernon Scott's pick six, nearly every significant play made in that game was made by a first or second year player. All guys that are coming back. Um, you return the the heart of that defense in Garrett Wallow in 2020. You return um, a, a good portion of the offensive skill players. I mean, Jalen Rager's the best wide receiver TCU has, but they've yet to figure out how to use him correctly. So it's Not none of his fault, not going to be a huge difference in the way the offense is constructed a year from now. Um, And defensively, when you're starting five freshmen, um, every single one of those guys coming back uh, outside of Vernon Scott, Jeff Gladney, and Julius Lewis next year. I mean, there is a lot of reason to be excited about kind of the moxie of these guys. I don't know if they're just too young to know any different, but they did not seem phased. um, Well, maybe the first quarter they were a little phased by the atmosphere of Norman. But after that, uh, you know, they they seemed – to be able to to hang with the big guys, to hang with the best in the conference. Uh, They did it against Baylor. They did it against Oklahoma. They trashed Texas. I mean – there is there is plenty of reason to to believe that that they're going to ride right the ship here a year from now, um, and and I for one will ride Max Duggan uh, with them into the battlefields of anything at this point. Um, the kid needs to be a better passer of the football, absolutely. But if anybody doubts that this is a kid that can win a lot of football games for the Horn Frogs, uh, they're not they're not a they're clearly not not really watching the game and the way that his teammates respond to him i i think he has a chance to be really really great and uh that run that he had uh, up in norman saturday night is just kind of the epitome of, of who this kid is as a football player
0: it's true and did he have his best game no but did he uh have some receivers let him down in moments too absolutely i think you know i didn't watch this game live i went back and uh rewatched it later that night. I was at uh, a dinner, but um I counted I think at least 6 dropped passes. Like yeah. and not even of the questionable, oh well, it was a little bit overthrown and he had to jump and it hit his hands. No. Like you catch those 9 out of 10 times, 20 yeah. 19 out of 20 times, 29 out of 30 times kinds of passes that just hit people in the hands and fell to the ground. And when you've got a young quarterback or any quarterback uh, that's a little bit demoralizing to have that happen repeatedly.
1: Oh, sure, yeah. So, but let's yeah, I
0: mean, uh, I'll go for it.
1: Well, well I was just going to say that, that I think that, you know, I have seen so many ignorant fans say that we need to overhaul and make significant changes because this is two years of of a team, you know, looking at, looking at capping a regular season with six wins. And, again, I say to you, Pay attention to the roster. Pay attention to the rotations. Look at the, the age of the guys on the field. TCU is not recruiting the types of freshmen, not signing the types of freshmen that Oklahoma and Texas and Ohio State, and like these are guys that are going to need some development. And if there's one thing we know about this TCU coaching staff is time and time again they develop players. Um, you know, I think we were looking at O'Shawn Mathis as a guy that we expected to be better and forgetting that the kid's, you know, in his, in his second a year. A
0: redshirt like, freshman, Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and, you know, if you look at the way he's improved throughout the season, sure, he's been bottled up. Part of that, you could say, is youth. Part of that is that he hasn't had a lot of help on the other side as the Frogs have kind of rotated guys in and out. But, but that's a kid that's going to get better because we know that that kind of player gets better under Gary Patterson. And I think that's the key to remember is I will judge the success of this mini-era of TCU football based on what 2020 and 2021 look like. If TCU isn't more competitive, if they're not competing near the top of the conference – then I'll have more reason for concern. But right now, uh, this team getting a win on Friday, getting to a bowl game, getting us a chance to talk to Max Duggan, which is really all I want to. That's the only reason I want to qualify for a bowl. I want to interview Max Duggan. Um, right. That that's I think is is the key uh, to to a successful TCU season. Is get these guys that extra couple weeks of practice, get them an opportunity to put a building block and a foundational piece down, and let's let's see if they they show marked improvement a year from now because. Oklahoma's losing Jalen Hurts. is going to start graduating some of these guys that have – they've returned like 80% of their production each of the last two seasons. Uh, Texas, I, I mean, are we scared of them anymore? I don't know. I don't no. know that we need to be. They, they are back. They're back to who they've been. Um, you're going to have an improved team in Oklahoma State. You're going to have improvement with West Virginia. But at the end of the day, like this is this is the soft spot of, of Big 12 football. This is a time to take a leap. And if the TCU can be one of those teams that takes a leap – then, then there's no reason to doubt what the coaching staff is doing
0: I agree completely and to your note about how much uh, growing up this team has in front of them here's a list of impact players from Saturday night who are sophomores or younger you ready? Mm-hmm. Max Duggan Tay Barber Tevalence Hunt Pro Wells Ardarius Washington Nook Bradford Travon Merrig, Wyatt Harris, D Winters, O'Shawn Mathis, Keon Stewart, Travius Hodges Tomlinson, Parker Workman. All of those guys are sophomores or younger. All of those guys made big plays on Saturday night. Especially a guy who I have absolutely fallen in love with this year are Darius Washington, who had 14 total tackles. Nine oh, D solo Winters. tackles.
1: Yeah, D. Winters added like 13. Those two guys were all over the place. No, Nook Saturday Bradford.
0: Night. Nook Bradford had 13. Oh, Nook.
1: That's right. It was Nook. Yeah. yeah.
0: So Nook and Ardarius, two uh, two freshmen, a true freshman in Nook and a, and a redshirt freshman in Ardarius Washington, had 27 tackles between the two of them, including two and a half tackles for loss and a forced fumble.
1: Just unbelievable. Just And Ardarius Washington is the kind of guy that has a chance to be one of those all-time safeties at TCU. Just a ball hawk, uh, throws his body around, undersized, but just, just plays angry and with a chip on his shoulders. Um, he, he's going to be a lot of fun to watch next year, I have a feeling. Um, and, and when you put him with Merrick and Bradford, and remember you'll get um, uh, uh, who's the guy that got hurt in the, the Baylor game um, that had the, had the interception. Uh, oh, like LeKendrick Le Le Van, Van Zant, yeah. You bring him back, and all of a sudden you're looking at kind of a vintage TCU secondary, but dudes that are big outside of Washington. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I think disappointed. Um, you know, there, there are no moral victories. I I, I liked Mason's Monday morning uh, quarterback article, as I always do, because because he's fabulous. But you guys have got to quit telling him he can't not write for Frogs War. We don't want his head to get too big. His ego, Keep, his ego is massive. as big as
0: it's ever been right now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's and, and, and well deserved. We we love the dude, but um but yeah, I mean I, I think that that they show this team has something. They just aren't ready for prime time yet. And I think a year of seasoning, um and, and we could we could see a team that is looking more than to ruin everybody else's seasons, but looking to make something special of their own.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think my biggest takeaway from this game is that in the in the face of adversity TCU stood tall. Yeah. Because the officiating was subpar on Saturday night. And did they get some calls wrong in Oklahoma or in TCU's favor? Yeah, I think they did. Mm-hmm. Um but there were some egregious no calls late that really impacted TCU negatively. And the Frogs seemed unfazed through it all. And at the end of the day, You know that shows character. That shows culture. That shows uh, that this thing that a lot of us, myself included, have been complaining about this year is still headed in the right direction under the leadership of Gary Patterson. So there's not as much to worry about, I don't think, as we've we've made it out to be this year. Frankly, that's my biggest takeaway.
1: Well, yeah, and in my, I mean, you know, to kind of put a, a pin on that, my thing would be is good God, we've gotten spoiled around here. We really, really have. I mean, you is TCU a program seven years into the Power Five, a team that should be competing for a Big Twelve title every season when Oklahoma is in the conference? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it is. I, I think that that it's a team that needs to be competitive every single year and sh- should be more competitive than we've been the last two years. Absolutely, I'm, I'm dissatisfied as everybody else is. I'm not. Saying that we should accept these types of seasons. But having a couple of back to back, let's say TCU finishes seven and six this year, going seven and six twice the year after winning 11 games or whatever, I I don't know that that needs to be a disappointing. Cycle. I mean, the Frogs are not going to recruit top talent now that a and is in the SEC and opening the floodgates for every other SEC program to come into Texas. Texas is always going to sign more top-tier talent. Oklahoma is coming to Texas and dominated recruiting. TCU is never going to be the team that is signing, you know, 12 four-stars and a five-star every single year. It takes time to develop the types of players that Gary Patterson has been successful with, and so if there is a down year every three years, I'm okay with that. If I see that it's going to cycle back up, and so two years in a row has been a little bit of a struggle and has been disappointing. But by the same token, if the frogs go back out and and win next year and win in 2021 and cycle back upwards on the strength of this this freshman quarterback developing, um, and this, these young defenders developing, then then I think that we need, like you said, just slow our roll a little bit here um, on the Gary Patterson doesn't have it anymore hype train. I I just, I think that that's an unfair way to evaluate this program in this state competing with these other programs nationwide. Now Um, give it a little bit of time, let Patterson develop the types of talent that he likes to recruit and let's see if they, if they improve next year and if they, if they are nationally competitive competitive in 2021, which would be my expectation.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree. Melissa, let's take a quick break, and then we will come back and talk about the Texas effect and the national perspective of the Big 12. All right, we are back, and Melissa, the new college football playoff rankings came out on Tuesday night. They are a little bit shuffled around with, I'll you the top 10, okay? Starting at number 10, Penn State number 9 Baylor at 10 and 1 number 8 Minnesota at 10 and 1 number 7 OU at 10 and 1 number 6 Utah at 10 and 1 number 5 Bama at 10 and 1 number 4 Georgia at 10 and 1 and then you have the three undefeated teams left in the in the country Clemson at 3 LSU at 2 and Ohio State moves into that number 1 spot after they beat Penn State on Saturday 28 to 17 What's your kind of first observation of these rankings, Melissa?
1: I mean, just the way that they treat the Big 12 is hilarious to me. Um, it, it, I'm so fed up with the new process. Um, I thought that this was supposed to to fix all of these uh, these issues surrounding the, the final college football playoffs. But all we've seen is that it's gotten more secretive, it's gotten more biased, and it's gotten more uh, inconsistent depending on which narrative they want to push on any given week. And as you and I were kind of talking before we started recording, um, what we've seen is that There is an agenda here, and the agenda is not necessarily to reward teams that have earned it, but to pick the four teams that they want to see in the college football playoffs, which happen to generally be the four teams that are going to bring in the most eyeballs and the most revenue, unless there's an undefeated outlier like a Washington or Michigan State. Um, If you are not a blue-blood nationally recognized program, you cannot lose a football game, Period. Um, you have to be able to draw a national audience or go undefeated to make it into these final four. And there's no room for error. And, and, you know, I hear time and time again from these pundits that the college football playoff being at four makes the regular season so much more important. But what it's done is it's made your football team irrelevant if you drop a random game in September. Um, a TCU, a Baylor, um, you know, uh, any of these these small brands, you know, national brands or whatever don't have a shot the minute that they lose a the game. Baylor's playoff percentage is three percent, despite the fact that they've beaten a ranked Ohio uh, Iowa State, they've beaten a ranked Oklahoma State, they've have a one score loss that needed a ridiculous comeback against a ranked Oklahoma team. Um, Baylor has not won pretty, but the fact is they won and the fact that the college football playoff committee is making me defend Baylor is the most offensive part of this whole thing. So so here's my uh, question to you. Here's my yeah. question
0: to you. If Baylor isn't 10 and one right now, right now they're sitting at nine. If they beat Oklahoma and are currently 11 and 0, where are they ranked right now?
1: I'd still think they'd be outside the top five. I you think, think they'd that be you, would...
0: you think Georgia and Bama at 10 and one would still be ahead of both. Uh, both Absolutely.
1: Despite the fact that you could argue that the schedule, especially in the SEC East, is not nearly as challenging as the Big 12 schedule is this year. Um, And and outside of LSU and Alabama, and I guess you can throw a bone to Texas A&M, the SEC West is pretty weak too. Mississippi, Mississippi State – um, uh, I don't even know who else is in that Vander I mean Vanderbilt is at SEC I mean there, there are a lot of really really bad teams in the SEC just four and seven types you know guys that aren't going to make bowl games and the big 12 is not the strongest that it's been but it is still a league where it's the best coach conference in the country and and I don't think that anybody can argue that top to bottom I mean your last place team is helmed by a national champion and less miles yeah. like that. It is the strongest coaches are well-coached teams. They play hard. The defense has been better this year. The The big 12 doesn't play defense narrative is no longer um, a, a fair judgment call. And people that are still using that as their crutch are people that have their own interests at heart. Um, it, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't think that Oklahoma is, is a world beater this year. This is not the same program of the last couple of years, but their defense has improved. And I think that Baylor would probably be at least an eight or nine point dog against any of the teams ranked ahead of it. But at the same token, if you are going to prioritize being a conference champion and you are going to reward teams that win like you're supposed to do, then having Baylor so far out of the conversation is an absolute injustice when you look at some of the resumes of the teams ahead of them still.
0: I like this. Let's do this. So let's compare them, their resume, Baylor being them, at nine to Utah at six. Both teams are 10 and one. Utah has beaten this year: BYU, Northern Illinois, Idaho State, Washington State, Oregon State, Arizona State, Cal, Washington, UCLA, and Arizona. Of those Pac-12 teams that they have beaten, uh, Cal, Washington, Washington State are all six and five. Arizona State is six and five. Those are the best records of the teams that they've beaten in conference. They lost to USC, who is no longer ranked, I believe, in the college football rankings. Let me double check. Oh, they're 22. Okay, so their best Which is ridiculous. Opponent, their best opponent that they lost to is ranked.
1: USC That's is it. only ranked two to prop up Utah, by the way. <laughs> I mean, USC is not one of the top 25 teams in the country this year.
0: No, they're not. So what, what I'm hearing then is that the College Football Playoff Committee values this Utah resume over what Baylor has done, which let's go and let's look at Baylor's schedule now, which I hate that I'm even typing in this website.
1: I know, and we'll the go computer's going to gonna remember it forever, Jamie.
0: <sighs> I still get – someone keeps signing me up every year for like Baylor athletics emails, and I'm going to find them one day. Yeah. And I'm going to Liam Neeson them so hard when i do so baylor there i mean they're they they sfa utsa and rice are their three non-conference wins okay they beat iowa state currently ranked what did you say 20 something where are they uh, iowa they are state is 23rd so that's one ranked win versus no ranked wins for utah they beat kansas state in manhattan they which beat has Texas been ranked
1: Tech. on and off
0: yes they went on the road to stillwater and beat oklahoma state currently Number 21 ranked 21 45 to 17 so that's two ranked wins to no ranked wins they beat west virginia they went on the road and beat tcu like you said they blew a, a huge lead in a ridiculous way to a top 10 team in oklahoma and then they thumped texas at home in waco
1: a Texas How team that, by the way, is being used to prop up LSU's <sighs> argument is number one but here's or the number thing. two or whatever Here's it is. the thing.
0: Um, Utah's best wins are all over six and five teams. Like, like 80% of their wins are over six and five teams or teams with a losing record. Baylor has beaten a team that is seven and four, eight and three, seven and four. Six and five. That's Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Texas. Then, they should have beaten the team that's 10-1 and one and ranked... That they have another chance to beat in the Big 12. I just don't understand how that resume is less appealing than Utah's at this point. Well... I don't understand <laughs> how... I don't understand how Minnesota's resume is more appealing. Yeah, they beat Penn State. That's one ranked team. But Minnesota... I. I said this before the Penn State game. Minnesota, uh, their first seven games of their schedule, TCU would have been 7-0. Yeah. I don't think I, mean, I th- said it out on the podcast, but I said it on Twitter. No,
1: you did. You said it on the podcast, too. We talked about it, yeah. Um, well, and, and I think the Utah thing, like it's really hard to not look at that. I mean, what they really were trying to do with Utah was set that up so that if Oregon hadn't blown it in the desert last weekend – uh, Oregon is a, is a nice national brand to be able to get out in front of people. And then you also need to throw the Pac-12 in the a bone because it's been a couple of years since they've been in the playoffs. Uh, so they were using Utah to prop up what they assumed would be Oregon. And then Oregon you know, crapped the bed here last weekend. So Utah is, is, we really need a Pac-12 team. I don't think, I think Oregon's gonna beat Utah in the Pac-12 championship and leave the Pac-12 out again. And we're setting this up for Alabama to get in. That's what I really think is going to happen. Um, but, but I, I just, I think they, they clown Baylor for their, their non-conference resume. Okay. Fair enough. But who did Utah beat that was much better than any of those teams? BYU, who has been terrible for the last BYU's three years. BYU is not going to
0: a bowl game. BYU yeah, they've been isn't awful. going to a bowl game this year. I don't think. I don't yeah. Don't no. Think that.
1: Um, no, I don't think they're bowl eligible. Um, so, so sure. Baylor beat up on some, some garbage teams, but at the same token, um, they, um, they, won those games uh oklahoma if you want to punish them they at least tried i mean they scheduled houston and ucla and those we all know that those schedules are made years in advance houston has been one of the best group of five teams over the last several years and there was no reason not to think that ucla was going to turn it around under chip kelly a little bit quicker than they did so they made an effort to at least schedule difficult i mean this is a ucla team that that took a that beat Texas A&M not that long ago, you know, in, in a non-conference game. I'm um, kind of a crazy one. But um, – and, and the argument that and, – and if you don't – if you want to say, okay, these are all the reasons that Baylor isn't good enough, the argument for keeping Oklahoma behind Utah and Alabama um, has a lot to do with their defense. So I did a little research, um, and I put this out on Twitter, but do you know how many points per game Oklahoma is giving up?
0: I should because I just saw the stat. It's like somewhere around like 27.
1: It 25 and a half. 25 yeah. and a half points per game. That's the University of Oklahoma and they're terrible awful defense. Do Horrible you know how defense. many points per game LSU is allowing?
0: Um I'm going to say more than that based on where this no, is, going, it's, but it's, I don't know. No, it's still
1: close. It's it's 23 and a half. So okay. Two points per game difference for this world beater LSU and then Oklahoma whose defense is the reason that they're not ranked in the top four and again Oklahoma has a has a win over a top 10 Baylor has a win over Oklahoma State has a win over Iowa State oh right. Weekend, that's right that's that's yeah that's game Saturday Iowa night State. so but they, they've beaten Iowa State they've beaten you know a, a, a feisty TCU team at home. Um, they've beaten they, Texas? They've, done, they've beaten Texas. So they have done all of these things that are, are are better resumes than what Utah or Alabama has done. Because who's who's Alabama's big win been against, by the way? Alabama, who has had issues and holes on defense all season because they are so injury-riddled and now doesn't have their star quarterback. Who Who's Alabama's big win? They lost uh, their only test. They haven't played see. Georgia. They're not going to play beat, Georgia.
0: They beat Duke.
1: Oh good.
0: Okay. Here are the teams that Alabama has beaten this year: Duke, New Mexico State, South Carolina, Southern Miss, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Arkansas, Mississippi State. Uh, what is that? What is that? Oh yeah, Western, the, the one. They... Western Carolina. I couldn't yeah. I couldn't ID the logo, sorry. We're we're going to we're going to give
1: Baylor a hard time for their non-conference scheduling and and Alabama has played two FCS teams.
0: They're 0 and one against ranked teams.
1: Yeah. And and their best they have they're going to have wins over maybe two, maybe three bowl eligible teams and not going to so, play for a conference title. But they're but they're number 5 in the country. They're number 5 in the country because they're Alabama and for no other reason.
0: It's. Uh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right because they. Let's see. A and M is seven and four.
1: That's a bowl um, team.
0: Tennessee is six and five.
1: Bowl team, but barely.
0: Other than that, the teams that Alabama has beaten all have losing records as far as teams in the SEC are concerned.
1: Yeah. So. Again, I think it's time to change the narrative. The SEC is not the best conference in the country anymore. It just happens to be incredibly top-heavy with programs that have won a lot historically. Alabama right now today with the injuries that they've had is not a better football team than Oklahoma. They might beat Baylor, but I I think – Bama, yeah. I think Oklahoma could beat Alabama. With I really do. Absolutely, with no Tua, yeah,
0: with no Tua, and with Jalen Hurts, you know, revenge game. Not really a revenge game. I mean, the guy won two titles with them, but yeah, you know, there's some extra motivation there, probably. Yeah, yeah. Give me and, Oklahoma. It, Will Baylor win that game? Probably because Baylor tends to get hyped up for big games. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think I, I think it'd be competitive.
1: Again. Yeah, it'd be it'd come down to the fourth quarter. So it, it's – I'm just – like I said, I you know I, I wrote this last week, my midweek musing. I don't think – all the, the college football playoffs has done has made things more convoluted, more confusing, and more favorable to those that, that have the big names or the big eyeballs behind them. And um, it's made the whole season less enjoyable unless your team happens to have one of those magical undefeated seasons, which happen less and less now.
0: All right. So tell me this, Melissa. Where – Give me from top to bottom, one to five, The your power five conference rankings based on where you think the national media would place them. Where the one national media one, would place them? Yeah. So like one being the best, five being the worst power five conference, would you rank it for me? I think
1: the SEC would be number one, according to the media. It doesn't matter what happens in the SEC. They will be number one because that the, there's no more dedicated fan base than people that have nothing else to do. Um, whoops. Uh, so they would be number one. Yeah. Uh, I would say the big 10 is number two, which also is incredibly laughable to me, but okay. Big 10 would be number two. Um, number three, man, I just, I think the big 12 has been so disrespected this year in the name of pumping up these teams that they're trying to do that. I, I think normally the big 12 would fall third. Um, but this year I'd almost say that it's, it's dropped to fourth um, behind the Pac-12 based on um, the way that they're talking about uh, the, the top teams. Um, so I guess I'd go Pac-12 third, Big 12 fourth, and ACC fifth. Um, I think the ACC and the Pac-12 have flip-flopped the last couple of years because I think that prior to this season the Pac-12 was generally considered a pretty bad conference, which is hilarious because I think they were actually stronger – the last couple of years than they are this year.
0: Yeah, I, have, I so I wrote down mine right before that, and I wrote down SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12, Big 12, ACC.
1: Yeah, so we're, we're pretty and much I in agreement.
0: And at the beginning of the year, I don't think I would have written them in that order. I think I would have yeah. written SEC, 1A, Big Ten, 2A, Big 12, 3, ACC, Pac-12. That's probably what I would have gone with at the beginning of the year. But for some reason, we're inflating... A very mediocre Pac-12. Yeah, and I don't, I don't understand why. Like, did you see any of the Oregon Arizona State game on no, Saturday night? No, I didn't night? get
1: to watch any of it. Yeah,
0: I set that one to record as well because I just wanted to see what the Oregon hype was about. And uh, Herm Edwards' team kicked their ass. <laughs> I know that it was a close score, but Oregon looked awful. Yeah, in that game. Uh, whatever the quarterback, Hubert or whoever he is. Hubert, yeah. He was not very impressive. Will he be great at the next level? I don't know. I'm not a scout, but he didn't look very good. Oregon didn't look very good. Defensively, they didn't look very good. Arizona State had a couple of really big chunk plays in that game that were a little bit staggering to me for a team that's uh, – let's check just really quickly here. For a team that is uh, six and 6-5 on the year, that was a wild game um, for them to yeah. win. I don't know. Well, it's just And, and
1: you're looking at, at a Pac-12 where Stanford normally is one of the top teams. They're not very competitive. They're not going to go to a bowl this year. Uh, USC has been all over the map. Nobody knows what's going on with that program currently. They have a lot of talent, but it's not like they have anything impressive on their resume this season. Um, UCLA is still down. Arizona, Arizona State haven't really been super competitive in a while, but they're normally a little bit better than they are um your your washington has been terrible they've been one of your top teams the last couple of years so you're really trying to say the pac 12 is strong based off of uh nice seasons by oregon and utah neither of whom have any wins of record on their resume this year so yeah. again it's all about the narrative
0: it is it is because here's the thing the pac 12 has one team at 10 and one one team at nine and two a team at eight and four and then everyone else is six and five or worse everyone else meanwhile the big 12 has two teams at 10 and 1 a team at 8 and 3 two teams at 7 4 and a team at 6 and 5 with another team in tcu that still has a chance to be bowl eligible after this weekend yeah meanwhile for the acc they've got one team at 11 and 0 two teams at 8 and 3 in virginia and virginia tech two teams at 7 and 4 oh sorry three teams at 8 and 3 because wake forest is doing things this year that's weird yeah 7-4, 7-4 7-4, and 7-4 and four for Pitt and Louisville. And then 6-5 and five, Miami, who just lost to Florida International. Yeah. Florida wow. State, who fired their head coach this year. And then everyone else. Like, that's it. The, of those three conferences, one has multiple teams with 10 wins this year. Yeah. And it's the Big 12.
1: It's the Big 12. Crazy.
0: It's wild to me. It's wild to me. I just won't understand it. I won't understand it. Yeah, I'm with you. I can't do it. I can't do it. Let's we can't know, ask let's it of a, you. <clears throat> I'm glad that you're not going to ask it of me because I don't. Feel also, I, I do.
1: I just want to point out to the people listening between JB and I, the coughing and the sniffling. I I apologize. This is not yeah. our, We are not at I our would, healthiest
0: this week. I would go back and like edit all of those <laughs> coughs and sneezes out, but that would take me until Christmas. So yeah, yeah. You know, are just gonna
1: have to you're gonna have to deal with us powering with us. through on this podcast
0: we're gonna power through another break also um if you haven't been listening to the stats of war podcast i would highly encourage you to start doing that as quickly as can if for no other reason than at the second break that parker takes he always jokes about overlords and whatnot and what the potential upcoming ads might be i'm not as clever so i'm not going to do that but we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back and we will preview west virginia give you a quick men's basketball update and then make some picks and predictions all right Melissa TCU at five and six one game left on the regular season schedule to get to bowl eligibility they play West Virginia on Friday at home at 315 why is it important for TCU to win this game
1: well like we said earlier getting to bowl eligibility is absolutely critical for TCU um, When you have a team where the majority of your playmakers are underclassmen, that extra bit of work in those weeks and preparing just for one opponent um, is a huge difference maker. And you just need that time for this team. And like I said earlier, selfishly, I just really want to get a chance to talk to Mac Duggan and TCU puts a kibosh. TCU football puts a kibosh on talking to freshmen, um, until bowl season. So they would be forced to make max available. And I think we would all like to hear from him after this magical season that he's putting together. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, there's no negative to going to a bowl game. And I wrote a piece, uh, today, uh, which will be Wednesday, um, for those of you listening to it, not today, uh, about the Sun Bowl and that first kind of modern bowl win for the Horned Frogs. The Sun Bowl was not a super prestigious bowl. It's not something that we look at now as, as a game that you're trying to get to. And I think that if TCU ends up in, let's say, the first responders bowl or the Liberty Bowl, neither of those are, are sexy bowl games necessarily. But uh, you don't know which game is going to be the one that turns the season around. And, and Patterson said before the start of the Frogs' four-game win, four wins to, to end the season last year, that, that you never know what game's going to start a 20-game win streak. And I think for a young team finishing on a high note, finishing on, with a bull win, um, building some positive momentum, sending your seniors out, because we do have some really, really uh, critical seniors on this team and Shaywo and Darius, and this is probably the end of the line for Jalen and, and Ross Blacklock too. And letting those guys go out with an opportunity to play one last game, win a trophy – Um, and finish with the winning record um those are the the program things that that are important that's how you build a brand and build a name and so uh, people still talk about the cheese It bowl nobody was excited about the cheese It bowl and yeah it was the ugliest game in history but it's something that that gives gets people talking about tcu and that's that's never a bad thing
0: that was the single greatest game in the history of athletics. single
1: greatest game in the history of athletics in any sport anywhere
0: yes (laughs) i agree i think too that um like like you said the extra practices can't be understated for such a young team you get 20 extra practices and you're literally not allowed to have those if you're not bowl eligible so getting that just under your belt for a young squad is it it would be so significant win or lose the bowl game like that's yeah that's relatively irrelevant other than you get one more chance to see guys like Jalen and Ross Blacklock play but um The practices is, and that's what Patterson has always stressed too, is that it's so important for young guys to get those extra practices under their belt heading into spring ball so that it's, it kind of bridges the gap between the end of the regular season and spring football a little bit better for some of those kids.
1: Well, and, and just Patterson's personal record of, I mean, there's only been two seasons since he took over. The Frogs haven't made a bowl game. You don't want to be that third season. Like you just, you don't want to do that. That's, that's kind of what he's been hanging his hat on and rightfully so. I mean, uh, why would you not want to play another game? Um, I understand fans of five and seven teams that get in because of APR. like that to me sounds like not a team that should be playing in a bowl game. But if you get six wins, you should be excited about a bowl. And if you have a chance to go, I've been to the Liberty Bowl, that's a great, that's a great venue. Memphis is a great town around the New Year's Eve. First Responders Bowl would be awesome because it's here. Um, that would be nice She's um, a Obviously is the greatest bowl game in, in history And it was really, really fun last year Great venue, great atmosphere And so um, if, if the Frogs have a chance to play another game Get those practices there, there really is no negative to being a bowl team When you get to that sixth win
0: I agree i agree but in order to do that the frogs have to get past west virginia four and seven mountaineers under first year head coach neil brown who came from troy i believe mm-hmm. is that correct troy, indeed. Um, to lead the mountaineers after dana holgerson left to go to houston uh and we've seen how that's worked out for him this season as well but neil brown is definitely in a time of transition with the with the mountaineers they're they're four and seven they lost to oklahoma state last week but ha- but have gotten a couple of interesting wins on the season. They beat uh, Kansas State, I believe, in a, in a mm-hmm. couple weeks uh, In Manhattan, weeks ago. yeah. In Manhattan, um, something that not many people, including TCU and Oklahoma, have been able to do this year. So they've shown some spark, um, but there's definitely some inconsistency there. Uh, Melissa, what do you know about this West Virginia team that you think the Frog fans in the world need to know?
1: Yeah, so I watched most of their game last week against Oklahoma State, um, a game that really went down to the wire, and they had a chance to knock off um, uh, the pokes in in uh, Morgantown and get get a chance to, to make this a game fighting for bowl eligibility. Um, they fell late, kind of heartbreaking fashion. Um, they've been a really good team. They've been a really feisty team all season. They've been a much better team once they made the quarterback switch and brought in Seth, Seth Daggy. Um, he's he's a pretty good uh, mover in the pocket. He's got he's got legs. He it's can Jarrett. he can extend plays. Jarrett Jarrett, Jarrett. Dage. Jarrett. Oh, Seth, Seth, da- Seth Daggy was played, played yeah at Tech, Tech yeah. Texas Tech that's right Jarrett Daggy thank you, um so so he's he's a familiar name to Big 12 fans um. But yeah, he, he's, he's got a good arm. Um, their wide receivers are very, very young, very inexperienced, and much like TCU's plagued with the ability to make drops in critical time. Um, they have a St. Brown, if you guys remember Aquinas St. Brown, who played at Notre Dame. Um, there's another St. Brown up at Stanford, and this is the third brother, um, and, and he's a big, lanky kid that looks like he's gonna be a problem in a couple of years, but I think he's a true freshman or redshirt freshman, so he's got some work to do. Uh, the running game, not great for WVU. Um, I think part of that is offensive line issues. Um, part of that is they don't have just kind of a, 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 give, a ball, give the ball to a bat kind of kid. Um, and so after watching Oklahoma run up and down and shot over the Frogs last weekend, I think it'll be refreshing to see a team that's more uh, driven to try to make passes but doesn't have – uh, they don't have a big kind of air it out game from what I saw. Um, and that's the only game I've really watched West Virginia play this year. So um, well coached, pretty disciplined. Um, uh, they don't – I don't think it's going to affect them that they can't get to bowl eligibility. I, I think you're still going to see their very best effort. Uh, Neil Brown is a really good coach who understands how to get his guys to play hard for him and doesn't have to headbutt his players to do it. Um so this is this is a team kind of on the precipice and on the cusp of of getting over the hump, and they'll be much more competitive next year. But I still expect to see their best effort. Um, I don't think that this is one TC is going to run away from early. I think it's going to be an ugly defensive battle. Um, especially through the first half. But I also don't think it's a team that can get up 21 to nothing on the Frogs either. And so keeping them at bay, not letting them uh, pile up the points and pile up the yardage early while the Frogs kind of get their offense figured out is going to be a recipe for success. Um, Definitely, I think the way they can win this game is just to to really try to dominate on the defensive side of the ball and and wait for West Virginia to make mistakes, which I, I think that they will do.
0: I agree. You know, and I think a lot of people look at a first year head coach and say, well, he's the reason that maybe they're struggling this year as he gets his system in place and all this other stuff. But if you look at West Virginia's offense, too, and who they lost from last year to this year, I mean, they lost Will Greer, their three best receivers, uh, their starting tight end, and their starting left tackle, all of whom are now in the NFL. So they're in the same situation that TCU is in where they've got so many young bodies who are growing up and then the added pressure of a first year coach as well it's impressive to me almost that they're four and seven and that they've been in some of these games late like they sh- they had multiple opportunities to beat Oklahoma State in Stillwater last weekend they've had multiple games where they've been within <laughs> a play or two of pulling off of a- pulling off a win and so, yeah, I mean, they started, they started out the season three and one with wins over like NC state. And, and so they, they showed some promise, especially early. Um, and so I totally agree with you. I don't know that this is necessarily a game that TCU is going to run away with. I don't think West is talented enough to get a big lead on TCU either. I see this game. Uh, obviously the frogs have more to play for because they're on the brink of being bowl eligible. So I wouldn't be shocked to see TCU come out with a little bit of fire early Um, Max Duggan slinging it around a little bit because West Virginia is a very good run defense. The last, I believe, three weeks or so, last four weeks, they've been holding opposing rushing uh, players to less than three yards a carry, Hmm. which is top ten in the country over that time period. So getting Max involved early is going to be super important. Getting those receivers involved early uh, and hoping that they catch some passes and, and build confidence early will be super important but in the end this isn't going to be a West Virginia team that is capable I think of really kind of blowing the doors off of things especially offensively so expect the Frogs to be in it I wouldn't be shocked if the Frogs maintained somewhere between like a four and ten point lead for the majority of the game before maybe scoring a touchdown late to really put it away um but yeah I think this is this is a a good opponent for TCU to have the last weekend of the regular season as they try to become bowl eligible
1: yeah, and I expect uh, to see a lot of what we saw Saturday, which is Max Duggan designed runs. Um, I hope, despite the fact that West Virginia is one of the better teams against the run, that we find a way to get Shawo and Darius a little bit more involved. Um, I, I, I've hated how this season has kind of come down as far as getting your two senior running backs the ball. I know part of that is performance-based, part of that is scheme, part of that is who you're playing. But by the same token, um, I, I'd like to, to – to keep Max upright here a little bit more. And he's gotten better about sliding and stuff, but I think it's important to, to get those guys to run, to try to, to, to get the running backs the ball, especially down in the red zone, and so that you can make play action a little bit more effective. I don't want to establish the run. I would never do that, Parker. Um, but I just think that with the amount of running plays TCU is calling, the fact that so few of them are going to the running backs is concerning. And um, I'd like to see them at least, at least have a, a bit more of an impact on the game Saturday, uh, Friday afternoon.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Uh, you know, I mean, and and you say, you know, their impact has been lim- limited this year. Think about this. You know, Max Duggan is the second leading rusher on this team as far as yards and touchdowns. Yeah, he's got and probably carries. <laughs> uh, he's got, uh, yeah, he is. He's second in carries with 122. He's second in yards with 532, and second in touchdowns with six. Shawo has 120 carries, so he's got two fewer carries than Max this season, for 507 yards and seven touchdowns, while Darius has 141 carries for 792 yards and six touchdowns as well. Like the running game is is fine, honestly. All of them are averaging over four yards a clip. I you know I th- I think it's really important for for a young quarterback to to be comfortable doing what he does well. And so they've done that in the with regard to the running game. Yeah. This should be an opportunity with the run defense that you're facing. And we said this before Iowa State too, right? Like they have to establish the pass early. They didn't. Look what happened in that game. They have another yeah, chance to true. establish the pass early. And if they do – you know, West Virginia's offense isn't nearly as potent as Iowa State's. So
1: Don't you don't you expect though that this is a game where the mandate is gonna be sent from on high that play it conservative, that if we win this thing, you know, ten to nine, it's okay. Don't take any chances because you know Patterson desperately wants to get to bowl eligibility and is not gonna to wanna to come out and be overly aggressive and dig a big hole because of turnovers or something. And I don't think that he fully trusts Max through the air yet. So, I really expect this to be a very low scoring defensive battle. Um, where they, the, the Frogs are just trying to use the clock and buy time early, which I hate and is going to make fans upset and might send Parker into a conniption. Um, but I would fully expect – I disagree. I don't think it's going to be an air-it-out game. I think you're going to see the Frogs use clock, play between the 20s, and, and count on their defense to bend not break, um, and then maybe open it up a little bit in the second half to try to get a lead. That's my expectation, which is going to make everybody unhappy totally. unless CCU
0: wins so thrilled yeah you know yeah. the thing is I don't know if it's a trust issue for Patterson at this point I think it's just a this is how we do things here regardless you know I mean even when Kenny was Kenny in 2017 versus Kenny in 2016 the offense didn't, sh- didn't change much it was uh that their execution was a little bit better so yeah. um I don't know I think I yeah 10 and 9 is a win sure win by one um but we've seen this year, too, um, to support your point, I guess, that he, he just gets extraordinarily conservative, especially in late-game situations, especially when he's got a lead. I mean, you look at the last five minutes of the Tech game, you look at uh, some of the play calling down the stretch against Baylor and uh, down the stretch against Oklahoma, and you're, you're right. You're right. He's, he definitely is a more conservative Guy, especially late like game situations. Well, so we'll and, and
1: and a half. We've had TCU's had the ball now twice in what ended up being one score games with over a minute to play at the end of the half, with the other team getting the ball in the second half, and has not made any move whatsoever to try to air it out. And to me, that says I don't think he trusts his quarterback. And and it's not because he doesn't trust him because he doesn't think he's going to be good. It's a, that he's a young quarterback, and he, he's more afraid of him turning it over than he is uh, giving him the possibility to do something great. And that, I mean, that's just. And when he said that, you know, after uh, after the Baylor game, that they they were afraid of turning it over and giving Baylor the ball right back in their own territory, uh, not realizing that you'd probably be throwing the ball deep, and so, you know, you're you can add another twenty yards or whatever else. Um, trust right. your defense if you've got a minute and you've got timeouts left, like go for it just see run 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 a short passing play see if you pick up six eight yards and then you can open things up from there it's, it's the old mantra that you get that first first down and then you can open up the offense and let your guys attack but you're not going to get any better offensively without taking those chances and um you know it's not a lost season like we talked about you have a chance to get bowl eligible but the same token if you're trying to develop your quarterback those are things you have to give them opportunities to do I mean that's why Tua got hurt is Nick Saban was leaving him in to run a two minute drill or a four minute drill, whatever it was, because he knows that he needs experience doing those things. Now it backfired in that instance. So maybe I shouldn't use that as my example, but at the same token, you max isn't every, it's a season of first Patterson said, it: every game is a first for him playing a Norman under the lights with a first for him. You've got to give him these opportunities and live game situations and see what happens.
0: I agree. I agree. We're on the same page here as f- versus, you know, or c- when we talk about what we want versus what we're going to expect from this yeah. game. for sure. Um, Melissa, let's go ahead and scratch our men's basketball update because I'm withering on the vine over here. Yes. I'm about to die. <laughs> hear it. Um, I'll put something up on the on the website this week, though, uh, with regards to our 5 and 1 men's basketball team who beat um, Wyoming on Tuesday evening. And that was a nice little win for them a 17 point victory with Desmond Baines scoring 22 points. Um, but let's get to our picks and predictions and kind of wrap this episode up. Full slate for the Big 12 this weekend, starting at 11 a.m. on Friday morning with Texas Tech traveling to Austin to face the Longhorns. Tech is four and seven. Texas is six and five. But they're talking about uh, wanting Urban Meyer over Tom Herman at this point. Does Texas Tech have what it takes to beat Texas in Austin on Friday morning?
1: I think they do. Um, I don't think they will but I think they do. Um, I, I love what Grant said when trying to choose between Baylor and Oklahoma and the lesser of two evils in that game. And he said that that when all else fails, root for what's funniest. And Texas losing that game was – or Texas and, and Baylor, sorry. Uh, Texas losing that game was far more hilarious than Baylor losing that game. And so um, I am on team – just let Texas get all the losses. Let this be a 6-16 six and 16 that is playing in the cheese at bowl. That would bring me such great joy. Um, and so that's what I'm hoping happens. At the same time, um, I don't expect it to happen. I think Herman will have the boys fired up. They'll play. They'll play well enough to win. They'll probably look really good doing it, and then and then just like go and drop a stupid bowl game against a dumb opponent. That's my expectation.
0: Like losing to Arizona State in the Texas Bowl or something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think Texas wins. I think Tom Herman learned his lesson from last week, and he will not headbutt a player wearing a helmet previ- uh, prior to the game um, to try and get them hyped up and concuss himself and make bad play calls. All game long. Um, So, yeah, give me Texas over Texas Tech. On Saturday um, at 2.30, Baylor travels to Lawrence to face Les Miles and the Kansas Jayhawks. Is there any chance of an upset there?
1: This would be the game that Kansas wins. Like, this would be their big upset. They're not going to. um, But Baylor doesn't really have anything to play for. Um, They're they're locked in the Big 12 title. They've got a 3% chance of making the playoffs. That being said, um, I think that they're probably a little miffed um, and and will play well, but I expect this game to be a lot closer than you would expect. Um, I I think Kansas is going to give Baylor all they can handle in the first half, Um, and then the Bears are going to run away late. This is not a team that blows teams out, Um, you know, even the Texas game that they dominated from start to finish was, was still like a, a two touchdown difference. It, It wasn't like it was completely out of reach. And so I think Kansas will, will give them a little bit of a scare, but Baylor will pull it, pull away late.
0: Yeah. I think Baylor just blows them out. I think Baylor needs a statement win to try and give themselves any kind of momentum heading into the big 12 championship, um, and to help them out in the eyes of the committee, just getting a win and making it an impressive one since that's been a knock against them so far this year. So give me Baylor, give me Baylor big as they really kind of turn up the heat on the college football playoff committee to respect them a little bit more. Iowa State travels to Kansas State in a game of (coughs) – oh, God, I'm dying. In a game of 7-4. Farmageddon. Farmageddon, Both teams are 7-4. Both teams are like on the brink of being ranked. Melissa, who do you have?
1: I just think Iowa State's the better football team. Um, And so that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, They looked really good beating Texas. Uh, They took a little bit of a step backwards. But now I think uh, that they'll go out and win what what will definitely be like a a fist fight between these two programs.
0: Absolutely. Give me Kansas State. Um, Chris Kleiman has done such a tremendous job there this first season. Uh, I, I really like the Wildcats. So give me the Wildcats at home. Finish out the season. Oklahoma travels to Stillwater for Bedlam. This is a chance too for a statement win that might make the committee respect them a little bit more. Do the Sooners blow the doors off of the of the um, Pokes on Saturday night, or do they I don't lose?
1: I don't think they can blow the doors off the pokes. Chuba Hubbard is just too good. Um, without Spencer Sanders, this is a different Oklahoma State team, but it does force them to really lean heavily on Chuba, and I think that he'll have a lot of success against the Sooners. Uh, that being said, without Spencer Sanders, I don't think Oklahoma State can win this game. Um, they haven't won it when they've been at their best, um, and they're not at their best. Uh, he, he's a better quarterback than Drew Brown is, So, um, especially because of the, the – if. if if he's running all over the place, then I, I'd give the Pokes a fighter's chance. But um, I, I think that this is Oklahoma. It stays close early, but I think Oklahoma pulls away with a, a two-score lead late.
0: Yeah, I think Oklahoma does blow the doors off of them. I don't. I don't know that uh, Oklahoma State can keep up. And it's bedlam. I I think that uh, Oklahoma wins going away. Some somewhere around like forty-two to twenty-one. Somewhere around there. Um, There are a couple of big games around the country, too, uh, that we should make note of, Melissa, starting on. um, uh, No, we're going to skip Virginia Tech, Virginia, because I don't care about that game (laughs) at all. Uh, We'll skip straight to Saturday and we'll talk about Ohio State. Can they get eight straight wins over Michigan? Will Jim Harbaugh still be lacking in that category as far as Michigan fans are concerned after this game?
1: I just, I still don't think Michigan is very good. I know that they've had an impressive run here down the stretch by beating absolutely nobody of consequence. Um, But I just, I don't think that that's a a top football team. And so I think it's going to be, it's a rivalry game. And so, you know, I I don't think that necessarily it's going to be super ugly early, but Ohio State's going to run away with this one in a big way.
0: Um, I agree. Ohio State's going to kill them, it won't be close. Jim Harbaugh gets fired after the game.
1: Ooh, no! Hot takes. Who are they going to replace him with?
0: I don't know. A Michigan. Urban Meyer probably. (laughs) Matt Campbell. Matt Rule.
1: Matt Rule. No, I'm I'm here for the. I'm here for the James Franklin to USC. Matt Rule to Penn State that's what i'm hoping for
0: james franklin's gonna go to texas no that's just a joke jason garrett is gonna go to texas after please when they fire please two birds with one stone baby let's do it Two birds with one stone love it uh alabama travels across the state to play rival auburn in a game that will probably be weird without tua who do you have winning this one
1: i still think that Alabama's better than Auburn, um, but I do think that not having Tua – I mean, what are they, they are replacing Tua with like a three-star. This is not – this is the one place where Bama does not have five stars just piled up as a quarterback. Um, but I, I think Alabama gets this win, and they do it impressively enough to convince the committee that um, that they're better than Georgia when Georgia loses to LSU in the SEC championship game.
0: I think That's all they want. I think, I think Auburn wins. I think Auburn Ooh. wins this game. It's on the road for Alabama. They've had a couple of clo- they have they have beaten nobody of consequence so far this year, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, I think I think Auburn wins this game, and Alabama's out of the conversation all the way.
1: Which opens it up Auburn. for Utah,
0: Utah unless or they lose to whoever Oregon. Has, whoever has a more impressive two game stretch between Utah and Oregon, yeah, uh, well, Utah who, yeah and whoever Oklahoma. wins
1: their next two games.
0: Yeah, I think I think that opens the door for them. Um, the next game to look at, and here, I've got a question for you following this up. Who do you think wins Wisconsin traveling to Minnesota on Saturday?
1: Oh, God. Uh, Wisconsin's just not great this year, but they have the better player um, in, in their running back JT Taylor. I don't remember his name. Man, Jonathan Taylor? Jonathan Taylor, thank you. Oof. God. Minnesota has to win this game. For this to be the season that they are claiming it is, they absolutely have to win this game. It's at home, so I'm going to give it to them. I don't feel great about it. This is the kind of game that Wisconsin always seems to win, Um, the, the game that messes everything up for everybody else. Yeah. Or they lose the game that messes everything up for everybody else, but we won't talk about that.
0: You know, Minnesota lost to Iowa two weeks ago. And they accumulated 140 more yards on the ground in that wow. loss um, and I, I think something similar is, is going to happen this week I think I think Wisconsin wins on the back of their running back and on, on the back of a strong defense but here's my question because Wisconsin is sitting at number 12 right now at nine and two Minnesota's at eight at 10 and one and Baylor is in between them at nine at 10 and one. Baylor's playing Kansas. Wisconsin is playing Minnesota. If Wisconsin beats Minnesota and does so convincingly, do they jump Baylor? No. Beating a ten, beating a top ten team, versus watching Baylor just rack up a win against Kansas. You don't think the commit there's there's no chance that that ten and two Wisconsin will be ranked ahead of eleven and one Baylor?
1: No, but I will say this: if Baylor loses to Oklahoma. In the final rankings, Wisconsin will be ahead of Baylor and that will be the buffer game that keeps that's that keeps Oklahoma out of the playoffs if Utah Probably. wins. That that Probably. would be that'd be my guess. Um, whew, man, that's a – Is this is this game for a berth in the Big Ten championship or has Minnesota already locked it up?
0: Uh I think Minnesota has already locked it up. Let me scroll. D- does does
1: Washington does uh Wisconsin have Two conference losses on, in their division, I guess, would be the...
0: Uh, I, no, so yeah, Wisconsin is 6-2 and two in conference. Minnesota is 7-1. and one. So maybe they don't have it all locked up. I wonder if Wisconsin wins if they go over Minnesota to play Ohio State.
1: Are those... Is that the division... Those are the divisional...
0: Yeah, cause so in the East, you've got Ohio State, Penn State... This is in order. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Indiana, Michigan State, Maryland, and Rutgers... In the west you've got Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois, Purdue, Nebraska, and Northwestern. So in the west you've got Minnesota at 7 and 1, Wisconsin at 6 and 2, and Iowa at 5 and 3. So Iowa's out already. Yeah. But I think if Wisconsin beats Minnesota, they go to the Big Ten Championship against Ohio State.
1: God. Wow. So so Minnesota goes from be at being a top 10 team to not even playing for a conference title. That would be wow. Row that boat, I mean, PJ. Row it.
0: I mean, like, does it – like, would it be – I mean, it sucks more for Minnesota than it would for, like, an Ohio State.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's it's the uh, – I mean, unless you're Alabama, that's a recipe for disaster. If you're Alabama, then not playing in your conference championship is the best way to get into the playoffs.
0: Yeah. You're absolutely right. So, yeah, I'm looking at the Big Ten website right now, and it still says the champion of the West Division will be the designated home team for this year's contest and will face the champion of the East Division, Ohio State. So whoever wins this this game on Saturday between Minnesota and Wisconsin will play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship.
1: I can't wait for um, uh, Wisconsin to roll over and die against Ohio State again. That'd be awesome.
0: Well, no, it's just it's Minnesota's turn to lose fifty-five to nothing.
1: Ah, true. Yeah, not that they
0: need it this year. Not that they need it. What if Ohio State rolls over for them? Yeah, right. What if? (laughs) Just kidding. And then the last game that we have to pick: TCU hosts West Virginia. Friday, 315 at the Carter bowl eligibility on the line for the frogs. Who do you have
1: winning? Uh, going to get it done. They're not going to lose a game at home on senior night with a chance to get to bowl eligibility. It's not going to happen. Um, I think it's going to be close though. I I really do think this is going to be like a, like a 13 or a 17 to to nine type of game. Um, I think the defense shows that big, I don't think that they let West Virginia in the end zone, but this, this team will make it, make it interesting at least till the end. So, uh, let's call it, Let's call it 20 to 9. 20 to 9 TCU. Jesus,
0: That sounds terrible. Yeah. Right? Give Give me TCU 34, West Virginia 6. Ooh. I have no basis for that other than I don't feel good right now. Other,
1: just, other than that's the game yeah. you want to watch.
0: That's what I want. And I'm going with what I want over what I think will actually happen at this I
1: point. I respect it. You're
0: sick. So you do what you got to do to get through. We're going to do that, and we're going to – we're going to wrap this thing up now having made our predictions um thank you for listening you can find us on spotify on itunes on the website frogswar.com you can find us pretty much anywhere where podcasts are uh please leave us a rating and review obviously you can find tons of really good content at frogswar.com we should probably also note that mason is once again taking over the website on christmas day so before buckle up you have more than a month's notice to mentally prepare for him to do that um, and other than that, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, for reading our stuff, for following us on Twitter, for interacting with us everywhere we go. Uh, you make this worth it, listeners of this podcast and readers of this website. Y'all are fantastic. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And for that, I'm Jamie Pluckett.
1: I'm Melissa Treewasser. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.